fellowship. That's koinonia in Greek. And so we have that great understanding of our verse of who we like to be is have koinonia, fellowship. We see it as teaching the word, gathering around God's word, being a community together, uh, having meals together, but also having communion together, which is our identification with being a part of the body of Christ and also praying for one another. So that's koinonia. And we also want to recognize that we're not just supposed to keep it for ourselves, we're supposed to go out. And that's why we have the second verse in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 16 through 18, where it talks about we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Everyone be reconciled to God. And so that's uh, who we hope to be. We try to live that out. And so we're in this book study, uh, or this book that we're studying is... Uh, True community, and as a study over the word koinonia in the New Testament. So the very first chapter is sharing a common life. So this is where we begin by having a common life. What we have seen, what we have heard, we declare to you so that you and we together may share a common life. That life which we share with the Father, with His Son, and with Jesus Christ. The Son, Jesus Christ. So we share a common life. That common life is our relationship to Jesus Christ. We're going to look at more depth at today. But our, in community, the reason we have a community is because we're first in a community with the Father because of what Jesus did. And we're in Christ. And so it shows itself in four different aspects as they show it in this book. We share together community relationship and our partnership. We have a relationship as a community, and we also have a task to do. And also that's our sharing together and sharing with. Communion, not only with sharing with God, but also with other human beings, other fellow Christians, but also material possessions. It, material possessions. In the body of Christ, when we have need, we're supposed to rise up and help one another. To share our different things that God has given to us and to be a blessing to others. And in particular, it's talking about how this is supposed to work in the Christian fellowship. There might be things to do in world needs, that kind of stuff, but it's primarily talking, first of all, to how we as a body will support one another, whether it's in the time of need here. If we're prospering, then we can help our fellow church, our fellow members of the body, because we are in, we're, we're, we have blessings, we can share those with them. And at some other time in history, they'll be able to share when they have excess, when we have little. So that was the first chapter. The second is union with God. God, who has called us into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Lord, enable me all day long, for without you, I can do nothing. So we're called into a union with God and realize that our total existence is dependent upon Him. So we have this union, the foundation is a union with God in order for us to work. It's not just that we're supposed to, oh, let's get together and be a community. Well, the foundation is our relationship with God. He's called us in that relationship. Therefore, a community can be built out of that because we have something in common. But Jesus, God, is the foundation. And communion with God. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord of God all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. 
So this was talking a little bit, focusing on, where is my heart? As a deer panteth for water, so my heart pants after God. And so this is sort of a reminder or an encouragement or a um, uh, wake-up call to each one of us. Is this where my heart's intent is? Do I really seek God? Will I use my time, my effort to get in the Word, not only in the Word alone, in, in devotionals, but also in how I spend my time, how my thought process is, how that verse, it all, pray at all times. Well, how can you possibly do that? Well, we're in communion with God. That's what He wants us to have, that kind of relationship. So it's important that it's not just a theoretical thing. It's something that's a practical way of living. And so this particular chapter was encouraging us to really have that intimate relationship with God personally so that we could be able to share that with our brothers and sisters in the community. But it also like second chapter and third chapter, we're really focusing on our relationship to God and how then it can benefit the whole community. So we have to have those right. Now today we're going to look at fellowship and community. And I'll start with, uh, starting with uh, this verse in Romans. So we who are many are one body in Christ. Individual, individual members of one another. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Here's a quote from the book. God does not save groups. He saves individual people. Each of us must respond individually in repentance and faith to the gospel invitation. But although God saves us as individuals, He immediately incorporates us into the body of Christ. And so it's very important to recognize that it's not just about me, even though I, in my little world, am very important. But God is saving not just me, He's saved you. He saved others. And so once we are saved, we're placed into the body of Christ. So it's an individual call that we respond to, but once we as an individual make that commitment to follow Christ as our Savior Lord, He places it into a body, which we are no longer only for ourselves. We're part of a body. He uses that illustration of body or building. There's many different illustrations God uses in the New Testament. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. So the emphasis is that the body of Christ is made up of individuals. The important part is to get into the body you have to come through a personal commitment to God. But we don't stay in this just isolated relationship, just Christ and me. No, Christ places us in the body so that somehow we're going to be interacting with fellow members of the body. I wanted to look at these, this particular chapter uh, 12 in, in Romans to be sort of a basis of our, our thoughts today. And so I'm just going to pull out a couple things from that and then I encourage you to read the chapter uh, this week. 
Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace, God, grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the portion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows, shows mercy, mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have something, a description of the body of Christ and how each one of us are placed into it. And Paul is warning not to get puffed up in ourselves and say, well, God was really lucky to have me come and join his body. That's the wrong idea of being puffed up, thinking I'm the center. What it is, it says we're placed in the body and God has given to each one of us gifts. And that those gifts are given so that we can share it with, build up and encourage other members of the body. So I'm encouraged by someone else. I encourage someone else. And so we have this interdependence upon one another. And who is the common, what is the common thing? We're all in Christ. And so it's not, I'm not saved because, oh, God is lucky to have me. No, I'm saved because God loves me. He loves the world. And we've responded to, the, to his call and we've been placed into his body. And so we all have a purpose. And so this community, this fellowship that we're part of, is both local, worldwide, and also over a vast span of time. The church has been in existence for 2,000 years. And so everyone who has made this commitment to Christ as being their personal Savior and Lord has been incorporated into the body of Christ. And we can look throughout history, we can see different growths and different spurts here and there and everywhere. But we can see it's gone all around the world. So we have people from India, we have people from Korea, we have people from, of all places, France, Luxembourg, who? <laughs> Belgium, New Zealand, Holland, Romania, even Denmark. And USA was included. How about that? We're from all around the world. Not all of, all of us are physically together in one place, but we're still in the body of Christ. Therefore, we're supposed to have compassion and concern for, look out for our other brothers and sisters around the world. And so it's not where it's just locally, we think of a local church, our little fellowship, our little Bible study, uh, that, that's, that's what it talks about when we talk about koinonia and being a part of the fellowship. Well, that's part of it, but it's not the only. It's, we're part of the total body of Christ. And there's all different kinds of... Uh, well, it's, it's, I think it's really great that when Christ returns, he's going to gather up his church, his bride, 
will be without spot or, spot or blemish. Now, I can criticize a lot of people that are part of the body of Christ now. But that's the way God sees it. So I have to remember to look at it through God's eyes of how I see the body. Because each one of us have our own preferences of what we think is right or wrong. But there are a lot of people that have given their life to Christ. And they, their particular tradition or their particular way of doing things don't really line up with what I think is right. But they are a part of the body of Christ. And we're supposed to have compassion and concern for them. I think that one verse, don't think out for your own interests, but interests of others. So we have to have this big heart, I say. And that's not human, that's from God. So, fellowship. The one body in Christ. And so what I'd like to use is just a few minutes to look at 12 different passages about being in Christ and what that means. When we read the chapter, there's going to be four, I think, four different aspects that he says, how do we apply this, being part of the community and being a fellowship? How do we apply this in real life? I'd like to emphasize and, and focus on what it means to be in Christ and that what, if we're in Christ, how will, that, how will that show itself in the way that we live it out? So first is in 1 Corinthians 1.4, it says, we receive grace in Christ. No one in this room deserves salvation. It's by God's grace and His grace alone. So it's important that we remember that I've been saved by grace. And I'm in Christ, grace in Christ Jesus. So that's part of being in Christ is because of God's grace. Do I show that in my way of living? Am I also gracious? Our redemption is in Christ. Is it your works? Or is it what Christ has done? Is it based upon my efforts? Or what Christ did on the cross? We are justified in Christ. We're justified in Christ. How we try to justify ourselves or try to make, am I worthy? Am I worthy of, of Christ's love for me? Of God's love for me? It's not based upon who you are. It's based upon what he's done. So we're justified in Christ. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, we have forgiveness of sins in Christ. Forgiveness of sins. What do I need to do to have forgiveness of sins? Well, I need to be in Christ. How I'm in Christ is when I yield myself to Him, when I put my faith and trust in Christ. So it's, again, not my efforts. It's God's work through Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I am forgiven of my sins. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many times are some people are always beating themselves because, oh man, did I really blow it this time? Or I did I I, I can't I can't get up to that standard. I can't accomplish the things that God wants me to. And we beat ourselves down. That battle you see in Romans chapter 7. 
I know what I want to do, but I can't do it. I've always had a big battle. Well, when it's because we're looking at what we can do and what Christ has done. And if I'm in Christ, I'm not condemned. Second Corinthians 5.17 We are a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old are passed away. Things are new. We have a lot of baggage. Some of us became Christians at young ages, but we still have baggage in this old flesh. We're a new creation. So, in Christ, I'm a new creation. Romans 6.23, we have eternal life. Future, what's going to happen in the future? I don't know the details, but I know I'm going to be with God. I have eternal life in Christ. God supplies all our needs in Christ. Where are my resources? What are, where, how can I make it through this life? Is it upon my own abilities and, and, and strengths? Or is it provided in Christ? Now, if I'm in Christ, I'm in the body of Christ, perhaps he's going to provide those needs to, my, to me through others in the body because we're in this together, being in Christ. We have every spiritual blessing of heaven in Christ. Spiritual gifts, where do they come from? They're from Christ. It's not something we earn, it's something that God gives. We will be presented to God perfect in Christ. What are we clothed in? In our own righteousness? Or in the righteousness that God provides in Christ? In the final one. We cannot be separated from God's love, the love of God in Christ. At the end of chapter uh, 8 in Romans, it gives a little list there of things, that possibilities of things that Paul is suggesting. Can this, can this, can this separate you from it? Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. So, when we look at here, one body in Christ and we're supposed to be carrying, um, sharing a common life. Each one of us, we can look at that list of what it means to be in Christ, and we can have, oh, I'm so glad I have that. But how often do we forget that? And we focus some other way, and we forget that this is what we have in Christ, and we live our lives in our own power and strength. So the idea is, the encouragement I want to say is, we'll remember these things that we are in Christ. And each one of us are in Christ. And so my brother and sister in Christ also have these same attributes or, or promises. So we're sharing a common life in Christ. Not a common life in Denmark or a common life in Europe or America. 
our common, what we're sharing is Christ. That's what makes us a family, being a part of the body. It's not because of my ethnicity or what school I went to or who my parents were or how rich I am, how poor I am. It's my relationship with Christ that puts me into his body, that now puts me into the body of Christ, the family of God. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ. John Piper, he says this, redeemed together, justified together, forgiven together, created anew together, every need met together, loved by God together, perfected together, living forever together, and all of this glory, glorious unity created in Christ and for the glory of Christ. Here we have this picture we just read, these 12 different aspects of being in Christ. Is that something that registers here? That can seep down and begin to be lived out in our heart, in our life, in our way that we live? Because it's important that it's not just theoretical, but we live it out in practicality. Being a community, A fellowship and a community. It's not just something we declare. Okay, we're koinonia because we believe in Jesus. Or, no, it has to come from within because of our relationship with Christ. What we have seen and heard we declare to you so that you and we may share a common life. That which we share with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, it's, I found this interesting quote from a magazine. Well, first of all, we're going to look in this particular chapter. There are four aspects of practical examples of living out this shared common life. And the shared common life, caring for one another, honoring one another, reproving one another, and praying for one another. Sharing the common life, this is practical ways of living that out. So it's not just something that, oh, I'm a Christian, I can live the Christian life perfectly isolated from everyone else, all those sinners. I'm going to go live in my little cave in a mountain and just drink a little bit of water and have a little bit of bread and keep myself from sinning and live a holy life. That's not living a life in Christ. These are four practical applications that need to be lived out. Caring for one another, honoring one another, reproving one another, and praying for one another. This is this quote that I read from a magazine article from Christianity. 
The truth is, we need each other. We need to trust, rely on, and depend upon other believers. God gave us each other to walk alongside, encourage, and spur one another, one in the faith. The writer to the Hebrews says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more as you see the day drawing near. In James it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We are to carry each other's burdens, care for each other's practical needs, warn each other of sin, and rejoice and mourn with each other. So as Christiana, as Christina says, we don't live the Christian life in isolation. It's meant to be lived in a community, in a fellowship. And so koinonia and a community, there's two things. The community of Christianity, there's millions of Christians in the world. And so we can try to participate and, and encourage and, and help those in need other places. But we also have the, the local body. And so how do we do that? How do we live it out? And so I think this is a good uh, chapter we're going to be looking at here just to see how we can do fellowship and community. So I encourage you to read this. Come to the Bible study on Tuesday night with Christian and you'll dive into this, talk about it, discuss it. Be encouraged in how to make this a practical part of our life. Where it's not just something that's theoretical, but it's real. What happened? of my sermon. Great. I thought I had one more slide there, but it's disappeared. So, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much that we could just look a few moments at fellowship and community and see how, because we are in Christ, we have all these characters or, or things that you've given to us that we have as an individual. But it's not meant to be kept within ourselves. It's meant to be shared with and be a part of the fellowship that we're a part of. As being a Christian, we're not to live alone, but we're supposed to be in a community where we can exercise our gifts, where we can be encouraged by other, others, where we can encourage others, where we can use those gifts, where we can be warned or reprimanded, and where we have the opportunity to share of our uh, excess or, or the blessings you've given us to be able to share to those who are in need. Help us to realize that we are not Christians for ourselves. We're, Christ, we're in Christ for one another to glorify God. Let this truth be made known in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.